No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and this week I have on part two of my interview with Knut Sands. Knut's a fun guy to talk to who can just really carry a conversation effortlessly. You can just ask him a question and he will pick it up and go, and the places that he goes are of significant merit and interest to this podcast. So it was really a pleasure to get him back in for uh, another round of it because we stay a little closer to the grindstone on a couple of questions about... Uh, faith and souls and death and what we want to happen when we die. So I gave him some some leeway to kind of ramble a little bit, but then also reined him in a bit to talk about some things that we'd kind of glossed over or had skated by on the first uh, part of it that I really wanted to get back to. So it was really great that he was uh, kind and patient enough to sit down again and talk about this. So uh, thank you, Knut. I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I did. As always, if you've got any uh, questions, comments, feedback, concerns, you can reach out at uh, yourdead2 at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2. Actually, I had Knut send over some amazing photos from his uh, trip to, uh, I believe it was India, that he was sending photos of, well, funeral procession that involves burning the body and setting it afloat on the river. And as I talk about it now, I realize... I need to find a way to share this with everybody, so I'll talk with Canute about the rights of it and see if I can get those up on the Instagram account to see if that's of um, acceptable public use or if that's you know content warning for people that uh, you know I before showing it to my patient patient wife, <laughs> uh, I gave her a very a clear warning of you know there is a dead body in this photo, so are you sure you want to see it? But uh, I'll figure out what we can do with that. So if you've got any interesting stuff that you want to have just put out there to the world, just let me know. Um, otherwise, I will cut right to it and just say, please enjoy round two with Canute. He is uh, a many-faceted person with a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things to say. Thanks so much. Cool. Uh, hi. Hello. So, Knut, back for round two. We're <laughs> Wasn't doing this. Enough. <laughs> yeah. I had an absolute blast recording the first part, and we were having so much fun that it just got to a point of, like, there's too much to talk about. Namely, I'm letting way too many bits of sand go through my fingers, and uh, I wanted to be able to just pick your brain about a couple of things that we just glossed over right at the beginning. Sure. And then I want to also just ask you, like, hard, fast bullet point questions of, like, what about this? What about this? Yeah. What about this? Because yeah. there definitely there was stuff that I would get a question out, and then you would say, yeah, absolutely, here's why. And you would go down on a crazy wild tangent. We talked about Catholicism <laughs> and the Middle Ages for a oh, yeah. solid 20 minutes. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, no, not a problem at all. It's, it's, I mean, the Middle Ages in general is it's, a problem. It's relevant. It's just in podcasts, you can't thumb ahead like you can with a magazine <laughs> and see, like, well, where is he going with this? So yeah. I want to be able to tie this all together. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, let's just dive right in. Sweet. So, I have honest-to-God questions. First and foremost, we talked a bit about your music writing last time. Cool. Yeah. A little bit. Um, one thing you mentioned that you glossed over right off the bat was all the creative writing and stuff that you just have sitting on a laptop or a storage device somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Um. So, I mean, I have written in one form or another for 
most of my life, I think, you know, it was definitely a skill for me when I was young that um, school wasn't great. Like I just was never a school person at like in the, in the sense that losing my homework or I wouldn't do well in certain subjects, specifically like, you know, the maths, the sciences, my dad was very much like a math science guy and I got the music and creative kind of talent. And, um, you know, I, I definitely had a chance to like express that in my childhood and growing up, but then, um, I, it never was really, or never felt like, um, a primary until my adult life basically, but like, it never felt like I could pursue, truly pursue music or just writing or creative writing or film. Um, for some reason, I always felt like, oh, that's not really just like, it's not really a job I can do or there isn't enough money or whatever. Oh, or, the old, get a real job. Get a real don't, job. Don't indulge this fun totally. musical thing. Okay. So I think my adult life has been just backpedaling or kind of um, accepting that I need to be making stuff to be happy um and that that sort of creative process is like really important to just my uh happiness you know so um i haven't figured out quite what to do with all of that you know and so like my writing is um multifaceted in that i love music you know i love art or art history or just history and all this stuff and it's for me it's kind of one big mess like it's just one um one one big mess of stuff where they all kind of intersect you know I, I think the song we talked about that i sent you is um that's sort of a weird long um hard rock history song you know it's about um sort of like family history a little bit it's about um you know a, a specific instance in history and some figures in history and um so all of the all, all these things for me feed feed into one another and um, the writing that sits on the hard drive, I think, is there for me for two reasons. One, either I haven't figured out what to do with it and, or, or how to synthesize it and share it, or and then two, haven't decided if I want to share it and what that means. Because I think, especially in today's world of social media, et cetera, um, things become so different when you put them out into the universe and they don't, they're not the same anymore. They belong to everyone else too. So um, for one reason or another, I think that part of my personality is very core and I don't think I would be hurt by any feedback or by anyone's uh, weighing in on any of my work. It's, it's just been, I think a kind of a struggle to figure out, well, it doesn't mean anything to me to put it out into the world and make money on it or do I just want to do it because it keeps me happy to, to do it? You know, whether it's writing, you know, long form fiction or, you know, music or um, hacking, you know, a shitty screenplay together or. Um, yeah. So that's that's that stuff. But so that's kind of an interesting response to what I asked them, because I really I didn't give you too much of a setup. I just said, basically, tell me about the writing and tell me about the sci fi. And I got kind of a preamble about like who you are as kind of yeah. a like segue back into like what we're doing. But you also kind of danced around a little this is bit. Ther this is just therapy for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is <laughs> this is what I'm learning is I've this is only, I think, chronologically number 10 or 11 that I've done so far. Oh, so I'm yeah. learning how to talk to people and how to get, you know, like I, I can certainly try to be 
empathetic and give you an ear and talk, but I also I want to figure out how to pull the right things out and yeah, see like yeah. what are we actually doing? Like so, when when you struggle with whether or not to put these creative things out to the universe, you've got a bunch of writing stuff that is apparently linked. That there are you've got kind of a, an overarching thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, some of them are. For me, they're linked in that um, any given idea, I'm not sure. I mean, I have a long list of um, just ideas, you know, on my iPhone or on my hard drive uh, and in notebooks, et cetera. And sometimes I don't know if those are films or, you know, uh, written pieces or whether it could evolve into lyrics or a song or what it is. And sometimes it doesn't need to be anything. And I think, I mean, a lot of those things, um, I just submitted an idea yesterday at work that was uh, to like our R&D team. And it was just something I came up with, but it it's, that's no different. It's sort of like a product idea, you know, and that was no different um, than anything I might come up with for my personal life, like in terms of the emotional experience of creating it and what it is and where it comes from and that creative wellspring, it's all the same. Um, it's all the same well. And then what it turns into um, is just kind of craft and what tools you're using to make it that. So I think for me, that's why I have a lot of material that exists or, or ideas that exist that don't necessarily, I mean, some of them have very strict specific um, outcomes, you know, whether I'm formatting it for fiction or whether I'm writing a song. Um, but a lot of ideas are just, what what is this? You know, what's it going to turn into? Because it could, you know, be a weird music video or also some sort of weird novel or, you know. Kind of wherever the project takes you, that's what it's ended up. And that's you. You take the idea and you find some way to tuck it away, and then when it finds itself manifesting, whether it's a song or whether it's fiction, nonfiction, it starts to tell you kind of how it wants to. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you're doing at all variations on a theme over the course of your life? That you seem to be somebody who, in your last, in our last session, <laughs> we talked about how you are somebody who gets bored very easily. Yeah. But I wonder, is this something where you are very authentic to yourself? And is this, do you feel kind of the same, if it comes from the same well, are you putting the same concept or idea out there over and over again and having it manifest in different ways? Like, are you refining the way, um, I, I don't want to go down this route, but sure. like Woody Allen, uh, was kind of doing the same movie over and over again oh, yeah. for most of his life yeah. and kind of you're trying to hit the er example of that same with james cameron too yeah. like he did the terminator and then terminator 2 and then he moved on to um uh he, he did titanic basically just as an excuse to be able to go down to the Titanic. like whatever his <laughs> ego and id was that was kind totally. of pushing to, towards whatever he was thinking of and yeah avatar seems to be the most good god uh you know uber example of what that is are you somebody who's that creative thrust is that coming from kind of the same place every time or you do you feel like you're trying to tell the same kind of story i no i don't feel like it's the for me the driver is discovery um and like the boredom you asked about is definitely a um i don't know that it's boredom or that it's just um the need to kind of learn about new stuff uh i find that with each project i have to sort of stop myself from starting over with new source material or a new topic or 
I mean, like my list of podcasts or books or topics that I'm interested in is broad in that I tend to discover things and go deep. Um, but I, I struggle to focus on like one topical area, you know? And so I think, um, to the creativity point, I don't think that, you know, what I'm writing, I think stylistically you'd be able to recognize similarities between, um, even some of my work I do professionally and maybe some of the writing I would do, you know, in my spare time. Um, but it, as far as this, like, what is it about? What would the plot line be and where is it going or what would it evolve into? I think they're actually quite drastically different, you know, um, whether it's like I started writing a piece on, um, East African immigration, you know, cause like that was a thing, you know, it's Minneapolis. There's a lot of East African immigrants, um, spent a little time in East Africa. Um, but that's very different from the sort of space novel we were talking about, which is sort of almost like a water world meets it's like water world on another planet where there are species that have evolved differently than human beings, you know? So like you might, I may describe that one idea to you and you'll say like, Oh, you're really into science fiction. Do you read this, 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 this? And I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't read any of that. I just like, <laughs> it seemed interesting and I like got yeah. into it and, and I um, will go deep, but uh, it certainly doesn't like, preclude me from also thinking about geopolitics and East African immigration and like what, you know, I think that's probably why I haven't put a lot out with my own name on it from a creative standpoint is that that's, that's a super broad, I have a very broad interest and sometimes I like look at all of it and I go, (laughs) which one am I, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I, I've seen in my career um, people as they put things out, with their name attached to them become defined by those things. Sure. So I think that's been a reason I haven't put certain things out is like, I don't want to be the science fiction writer guy or the, yeah, you don't want to get trapped in a pigeonhole of, right. Which is in and of itself stupid too. Cause well, that's allowing people to define. What, yeah. It's yeah. allowing others to say what you can and right. can't do. And yeah. have you at all considered posting or publishing anything anonymously or like with a pseudonym? That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I've I've thought about it, but I haven't thought. I just think I've been so. I'm sort of coming out of it now, but I've been so wrapped up in my career, and I write so much professionally that. Um, yeah, you're squeezing that muscle on a regular basis. Whereas yeah. I, in a previous world, was mortgages and banking and very cut and dry and not a lot of whimsy there. Right. Right. <laughs> that was yeah. something that uh, I think I mentioned this last time we talked. That creativity doesn't die or wither on the vine it metastasizes it turns into cancer it turns into <laughs> sorrow and regret and that was yeah, a real does. real eye-opener for me to think yeah. like, oh if i don't if i don't work this muscle it doesn't atrophy it actually turns into something bad and painful right well and i i don't want to go too far down this path but on the flip side of it what i've found in especially in dedicated writing roles that i've had professionally um the production of said ideas um can become uh, either draining or um, it should be a job. If you're taking it seriously and you're showing up, you know, at the page every day, um, you should treat it like a job. You know, you shouldn't just yeah. do it when you feel like it because mm-hmm. you'll never do it. Um, but I've been in positions where like I'm working myself pretty hard and then I've turned to my creative uh, projects and that still fires where I'm still um, like playing sort of like producer and writer and 
it's negative, you know, where I'm like at home in my basement, you know, like practicing rudiments on my drum set. And I'm like, you fucking suck, you know, like get it to get like, there's like this whole process that would like would happen at work. That's like, you've got a deadline. People are paying you for this. But then you like, if you get home and you're crushing yourself doing that same thing, um, for me, at least I had to recognize like, well, you need to back up and, um, like put that creative hat on again and be an explorer and relax and do this thing just for it. And not worry about like, yeah. you know, no one's, no one's calling in with a deadline. So relax. Nobody, yeah. If you don't, you wouldn't speak to somebody else that way. So why would you speak to yourself that way? If like, yeah, that's no. not how I coach people to get things done. And <laughs> maybe it worked. Yeah. <laughs> once in a while. You also called yourself an explorer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was wanting to unpack that a little bit. Is that how do you like a psychonaut? <laughs> like sure that's a go really cool your way yeah like, that's i think a psychonaut that's cool i'm gonna put that on my twitter profile <laughs> yeah i didn't coin that take that and run with that whoever. <laughs> psychonaut yeah but like you're as you said you're somebody who gets bored very easily you are the rolling stone who will gather no moss you like doing many different things just for the sake of doing them seemingly that you if you can you will yeah. you yeah. have the benefit i don't think you know, any kind of physical impairment would slow you down necessarily, but the fact oh, that you God, have yeah. all your faculties, you want to just go. Yeah. Um, no, I forgot your question. You are an explorer, but in yes. what capacity? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I got way off. <laughs> I think I think it's part boredom. I think it's part curiosity. But I, yeah, I mean, it's in every sense. I think maybe that would define me more than other things that I'm um, interested in literally exploring, you know, traveling, going places, um, getting new skills. Like I bought this 600 page book on sailing. I've been looking at my wife's probably going to listen to this at some point and be like, God damn it. Um, (laughs) for those who don't know, Minnesota is pretty landlocked. So we're going to have to find a river. Yeah. No, I was looking at like land in the Caribbean and all that stupid crap. I mean, not for real, but like not stupid crap at all. Islands are buyable. Right, right, but and also so are I mean I did a bunch of research on like sailing and sailboats and and um, you know a vacation lifestyle that way and the kinds of investments we make you know are pretty substantial when you look at vacations and uh, second properties and all that and I'm not in a position to be doing that yet but um, so that's just one example like I could definitely get into that but that could be one thing that someone gets into for decades or is there one hobby and um, so. I like to like literally explore places. I like to be actively exploring um, that, like my own limits in terms of my physical abilities, you know, and that comes out in my, you know, I'm, I'm competing a lot more than I did when I was younger because I, it makes me happy, you know? Um, and so I'm exploring like through racing or cross country skiing or whatever. That's one area definitely in creativity or in my writing. Um, that's part sort of like mental exploration where you have to know source material in order to write, um, something good. Um, and then I, I mean, like from the, you, you have to have these experiences in order to be able to write about them to a certain extent. Totally chicken and egg. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, like they, they say some of the best, well, they, I don't know who they're, the writing gods, like I have heard, you know, many in many, like, MFA programs, et cetera, they talk about how a lot of the best candidates sometimes are like um, either later in life or in the middle of their life or they have gone through a lot where they, and I don't think this has to be true, but I think the more you can rack up in terms of experience, you know, the more that you can, when you actually sit down in front of a computer, recall, um, 
that experience or apply that experience to something you might not know about. Or insider life skill, whatever yeah, it is, is kind yeah. of a backdoor, not shortcut, but right. a way to kind of jumpstart the process of I've got these experiences, I've got these things that are unique to my voice or unique to my sense of self. So yeah. You're seeing yourself as an explorer, not just of the world and ideas at large, but it like, sounds like you're exploring yourself too and figuring oh, out yeah. who your authentic voice is. Totally. Do you feel conflicted at all about putting out did you ever see that video for uh i think it was bliss or um mm-hmm. kenna with hellbent was that song maybe it was basically it <laughs> had kind of a profound impact on me when i was like 18 years old oh but the it, the real thrust behind it is that there's a light inside of all of us and that you can use that for creativity and love and life outside of yourself but you know too much of it the wrong way you're going to deplete that light and there's nothing left there do you yeah. feel any kind of risk of that of leaving that on the page at the office when you come home or um yes and no i think the light i don't think there's any i don't think it ever ends you know in unless you in unless you make some pretty big emotional decisions or you get in some emotional habits that are negative um i think it's about faith and belief that um you are i mean it, you just have to trust you know the process and trust in the fact that I mean, yeah, of course it could be scary. Like, oh, am I going to run out of ideas? Um, sure. But I don't I don't think that that's <laughs> sure. Fuck sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't think that wellspring ever or that light ever goes away. I think it can. I've seen it, at least professionally if you, you know, either work yourself to the bone or allow your attitude to shift toward um, a really negative. Like if you're if you're really allowing yourself to let other people's. Yeah. Like I think. To answer your question, you have to surround yourself with great people and you have to surround yourself with nurturing um, sort of uh, factors. Otherwise, I think that light and, and can and does go away for some people and that they, they lose faith in why they're doing it and what they're doing and even wanting to produce something or wanting to come up with ideas or wanting to write or wanting to or even thinking that it could be good. Um, that can die for sure, or it can go away for a while. Yeah, um, you can nourish it or you can let it wither. And yeah, yeah. Same way with you can find some Olympic athletes are the ones that just grew up on a farm in a rural town where all they had right. like the whole Rocky Four method of right. training for a montage as opposed to like, you know, Ivan Drago and Rocky Three, where it's like the best <laughs> scientists that are the, the ways that people yeah. will treat their um, – their instrument like their personal self of yeah growth okay well the the olympic example is a great one too because um there was a romanian female weightlifter and i'm not going to go too deep into this but she was was it a weightlifter or a, oh she was in i, I can't remember someone told me the story and now i'm, I'm forgetting all the important you. details you're in a safe place <laughs> uh <laughs> she like was I'll, I'll have to look this up and send it to you but she she was one of the, those olympians that people wrote about as like she had the perfect form and she you know um i think maybe she was in like the tumbling you know what's that what's that category called the gymnastics yeah that's the one it's been <laughs> it's a like, long day yeah <laughs> um yeah she so like people had written about her as being like the perfect gymnast and at like 16 she really like unraveled and you know had basically years and years of like drug and alcohol abuse and problems. And that pattern is very um, common in high achievement individuals or Olympians who strive for perfection because perfection is impossible. And I think it's important in like the question you're asking to distance yourself from perfection. If you want to keep going, if you want to keep nurturing some kind of light or believe that like 
what you described is like if you if you give it too much in one direction, like if you focus too much on being perfect or like absolutely mastering something, you're gonna burn it out and you're not gonna have any fun in the process. So yeah, yeah. To uh, if Greg, if you're out there listening, uh, Greg is the example in my life that I always cite for anybody that's ever met my old friend Greg played in a band with me that he went to uh, DePaul in Chicago for uh, jazz guitar yeah. and it just for man a couple of years after college it really sucked the joy out of it it just it took this thing that he did for pleasure and loved doing and just made it into a job and it really totally. I could see him not have fun with it for a long time and he's really really turned a corner and really come back to love it which is really great but like it's interesting to see how not in Greg's case but if there are things that you do to take care of yourself, you can make a choice to do soul-crushing things. And, right. like, through either good ideas or good intentions or self-destructive behavior, you can yeah. you can try to tamp out that light inside of all of us. So oh, yeah. we're about 20 minutes in again, which is where we start to take that turn into uh, all the heavy stuff. With now the, the background that I have on you from our previous talk and the fact that I was just up at a Catholic funeral, like the most old school Catholic funeral I have. Yeah. uh, Nominus Sancti Patri. Oh, God. (laughs) But you know what? I had a two-year-old that wanted some uh, cheddar bunnies and a banana, so I had to kind of step out (laughs) part of it. But I definitely got to, you know, sit in the church and have some odd observations and think about, like, so what does this mean in the grander scheme of things and why are there seven windows here? And uh, so... What you mentioned last time, I think I really didn't key in on properly because it sounded much more interesting than I gave it the proper reverence for. You said, when I asked what happens when we die, you said, it might not be the same. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, Yes, and I'd like to also say... I don't want to bash Catholics too much. That was one thing I reflected on. Oh, no, I do that plenty. I'll cover that for both of us. (laughs) Because I I think um, it's a wonderful religion and, and there's tons of wonderful people um, that are Catholics. And so, uh, you know, I hope listeners aren't offended by any of my ca- Catholic. I'll know. take the heat on Twitter. <laughs> and it's mostly, I think the lay people are fine. I think it's the, uh, yeah, yeah. those in the black robes that have And I love Catholic services, honestly. There's, there, I will say they are beautiful, beautiful. And some of the most amazing art humans have created has been to the glory of God. Yeah. So, and this is also post Notre Dame burning. Right. Which right. was, my wife was really bummed out by that. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. It was a real. Yeah, yeah, it's a monument. I mean, it's been there forever. Um, okay, but so Catholic bashing aside, Catholic bashing aside, <laughs> your vendetta aside. Yeah, uh, you've got thoughts. Why is it different for you're saying to the individual? Like, what happens to me may be different for you, or yeah, yeah. It's just something that I, in these conversations, I think we don't often consider enough is that we there might not be one answer for anything, and in saying we don't know, it's not this one or this one or this one, or you go to heaven or you go to hell, or it's, it's not a, it's not like a duality, um, or I don't know what you would call it, but it might be, you know, a multiplicity of options and that, um, that makes it hard to talk about and that makes it complicated, but that just might be true of, um, what happens when you die. Um, it might be different for me than you in a lot of ways, but, in many ways, you could, in, I mean, if you're talking physically, it might be different for me. Spiritually, I think, is what more, what I was referring to, um, sort of like existentially what happens. I mean, what if we don't know in the sense that my beliefs during my time on this planet influence my 
um, spiritual being in a way that would influence my parting. That's different from yours. Mm. And I'm not saying everyone who believes whatever they believe just goes to the place that they decide is their afterlife. But I mean, what, what I understand about just having <laughs> thoughts and being a rational human that on some level believes I have a spirit and, um, I, I don't have the answers, but I also, I I'm willing to, I don't, I I'm unwilling, I guess I should say to limit it to this definitely happens or that definitely happens. And so that's trying not to give you a non-answer, but I, I think it's worth considering that, um, that it, it might not be the same for all of us and it might, um, and, but it might also be the same for all of us. Maybe that's an option too. Right. But, and we experience it subjectively for all we know that like, yeah, to be super, super reductive and simplified, like for somebody, it might feel like they're getting hit on the back of the head for somebody else. It might feel like they're going to sleep gently for somebody right. like, and that's just one aspect of it, that it might be, it might be the same for every single person ever, but we all experience that manifestation different because of yeah. the unique butterfly flap effect that you have, right. you know, the chaos of however your final moments right. are and your propensity for positive thoughts or negative. Right. So I know you're not giving a dodge. I know you're not trying to be politically safe, but it sounds like you're not willing to discount anything, not from a sense of fear or safeguarding, but it sounds like you're somebody who's willing to say, I don't know, and there's a lot yeah. of good ideas out there. Yeah, that that's true. I'll add that I don't I don't believe our human experience continues, and that's where my skepticism Interesting. of most uh, religious explanations fall short to yeah. me. Um, in, and, and that they all sort of are contextualized by the human experience and they all sort of sound like we go somewhere else and we're still us uh, or something. <laughs> that that it, it somehow resembles this cognitive experience. That I'm me, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not. You know, like I just don't think if I do continue on, I'm going to be the human me anymore. There, maybe there's a part of me that passes on. And, um, I don't know, maybe that's a, um, I don't think it's going to be my personality or my thoughts or my canuteness. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be whatever, um, sort of like deeper spiritual force has driven me. Cause that's the part that's the most mysterious to me in my life is like, why, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, there's some reason beyond what I'm in control of. And I have a hard time believing it's just like synapse and brain stuff i kind of you know feel like most people like wow there's like there's something deeper more than biological programming here so whatever that thing is i'm open to it um going where it goes and and uh, becoming what it becomes um i'm not necessarily a uh um i don't believe in reincarnation um you mentioned that last time too right but but i think we all believe in reincarnation to some degree because you're if you're going to go somewhere else, uh, you know, you're being reborn in another place, even if it's not on earth in another body or in like a, you know, meerkat or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, you would say that uh, if you're, if you pull way out and zoom way out on the human experience, that there are a number of religions that in some aspect or another say 
end of humanity, beginning of next phase of existence, which is either literal reincarnation or ascending to a new life at seated at the right hand of the boat. Like, that there is some kind of cyclical, and some some faiths, it is very cyclical, that it's... uh, Okay, and you also tying back into further questions I wanted to ask. You yeah. mentioned that you consider yourself somebody uh, potentially of poly faith. Do you? And I'm bear in mind, I'm yeah. kind of cherry picking some stuff I found that's, interesting that's, for yeah. our first talk. That do you see that as something that? And I don't, you know, that might not be something that you necessarily ascribe to yourself, but just I picked up on that phrase. Are you somebody who's taking whatever you find interesting from the buffet of? ideas or are you no. kind of saying it all kind of at the core is a similar idea of like just don't be a dick and yeah. they all kind of have similar ideals <laughs> don't be a dick i like number two don't be a dick um it's pretty simplifying yeah so okay i'll say i'm not a huge fan of um i'm not a huge fan of subscribing to religions and or practices you don't fully understand um and I don't think people are doing this, but I hear a lot of people doing the like namaste thing. And I'm like, that's cool. But like there's a whole like Buddhism or spiritual Eastern practices. Um, there's lots of them and they have many very specific um, things attached to them that, you know, in Western society, we've sort of uh, be- allowed to become mainstream and become of our part, parts of our lives in it's ways that are wonderful, like meditation and, you know, Eastern medicine. And these things are all really wonderful. Um, so I'm not, but I, but I, I try not to subscribe, subscribe to something like that, unless I understand what like the root meaning is. And I like to dig into the, the practice. And if I were to say I was, sort of like a poly faith person, it would be that I deeply understand all of them enough to say I do or don't believe in those things. And there's probably only been two or three religions that I've studied deeply enough that I could say that, you know. Um, I am more poly about, um, it. Feel it's sort of like it's hard because I don't, I, I'm not poly in that like I think everyone gets to pick and everyone's right. <laughs> I don't. You know yeah, what I some mean. Some people are definitely wrong. I think we're. I think we're all wrong. I don't think that any. So if it's one of the options that's on the platter that we all talk about today, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that God described in any of the religions that we all talk about is cruel enough to send everyone else on this earth to damnation. I could say that much. You know, I could say that the God. Either if if it's in the Abrahamic faiths, which are much more closely linked than we like to give them credit, you know, I know that that God, um, I know there are things in the texts, and I am going against probably what some uh, religious folks might say, but I at the end of the day, in those faiths, God is God, and if He's going to take, I think He's smart enough to teach us all a very long, harsh lesson if He has to. <laughs> and so do, do I believe he's going to going to just sort of harvest the souls that he decides on earth that are like, these are the good ones. And then like all the people that did the wrong thing and didn't accept him. And th- that's just like these are the bad ones. You're go- going away forever. No, I think like God recycles if that's the God we're talking about. 
I think he's going to figure out like whether it takes another like 400 years with wherever they go. And he's like, here's what I need you to figure out. It's taking you a little longer. Like that's, that's how, what I believe about God recycles. I can't get over God that. recycles. Yeah. Jesus saves God recycles. Yeah, totally. These are <laughs> look at the, look at the history of those yeah. religions. He recycles people and their souls because he doesn't like to waste, you know? Yeah. And you talked about that last time too, just how it's, the course of history is affected by power and those who are the victors and how the, the, the yeah. tale is told over time that if you just trace, if you, it, it feels a little more like salmon swimming upstream if you try to tra- right. uh, trace it back historically. But if you start at, you know, Sumerian text and then move forward, it feels a whole lot more linear if you're going downstream and you just right. kind of see the same stories being told of like, all right, polytheism and monotheism and then polytheism and yeah. then monotheism <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Um, you know, we just passed Easter and there was a number of different things I've seen online like usually you know, every year. Uh, why chocolate why bunnies well okay. commercialism <laughs> why santa that's coke right. you know yeah. but um that there are definite elements in uh jewish um practices for the egg on the plate and like there are things that are taken from that and like yeah rebirth in the spring and the um you read the chalice and the blade that book about it's no, either it sounds familiar i should male, it's it's it was one of those intro to history books in oh, college that oh, read, oh, oh you know, okay um, yes 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 everything being either related to the male blade or the female chalice that yeah. spring being, vaginas. Yeah. That, <laughs> um, uh, birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. <laughs> and springtime being rejuvenation, the pagan holidays about rebirth and yeah. you know, that we're all, we're still telling the same things over and over again. It's just been co-opted by a little right. sexier branding of, uh, yeah. Christianity. I agree. Sexy Christianity. Sexy, sexy Christianity. Uh, that's amazing. It's the best kind. <laughs> Tonight on Sexy Christianity. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Many lost sheep are found. Um, anyhow. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... It, the important thing to me is what... Um, things are co-opted all the time and, and used. I mean, even like language and the way that we communicate and all these things. It's... Um, How's it being used and what it's what is it being used for and what is it communicating? I think like the root the root is the important part that you're talking about in that um, even even if it is like the Christmas tree or things being co-opted from pagan cultures used to celebrate, you know, Christian values. Um, I think that the most important thing to look at is like what what is it celebrating? Why is it celebrating it? And like the re- I mean, the reason that happened was so that pagans would participate, you know, um, and we do that today i think we all need to remember too that we co-opt things from culture and society so that we continue to participate in religions that could otherwise become quite um mundane and old and feel stale and um, and go to a church service and unless it's a really traditional one think about the songs you're singing and the melodies and the harmonies and some of the words and um there's a lot that's co-opted huh in, in all in, in 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 all religions, I would say, but yeah. Anyhow, sorry. No, Tangent. Yeah, no, no, no. This is all. This is all. <laughs> this is why I wanted to unpack this stuff. Um, you hate snakes. Oh, dude. You really don't like snakes. I have a great snake story for you. Please. I was in Wyndham with my wife for Easter. Okay. Um, and we, it was Saturday or Sunday. So I was at the window, and we brought our cat down, and he was, like, freaking out, looking out at the yard. And I look out there, and there's 
a snake. And I'm like, ah, oh, snake. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was that measure, just, oh, God, snake. You know, it's funny. I've, I've worked on trying to be comfortable, especially with, like, garden or garter snakes or whatever they're called. Sure. Like, just a green, common, you know, and it was a medium, small size snake. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then um, my mother-in-law was like, hey, I was hoping you could drag like they have all of these this siding on one part of the house that like has been sitting there and then needs to be thrown in the trash and she's like could you drag all that to the trash bin in the front and i was like yeah i mean let's give it like 20 minutes because that snake was going that way and i'm just gonna like (laughs) let him go further but then so then we went out there and started hauling some stuff um they're working on an addition down there and so we don't help a lot but we try to and um, then there was another snake mm. and my wife also doesn't like snakes. I didn't know she was so, um, bothered by them, but I was wearing these like tall rubber boots and, um, I was like hauling siding and she was like, Oh, this little snake. Oh my God. You know? And I was like, oh, don't say it like that. I'm going to freak out too. You know? <laughs> it's like, just pl- pretend like you feel good and it'll be fine. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, babe, babe, play cool. Play cool. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly dying. how I pictured you. Dying inside it. I got it. <laughs> Babe, it's fine. Um, Luck snakes, they don't scare me anymore. Um, so, what? Well, long story short, she was like, oh, it's under the car, it's under the car. And I was like, okay, we'll just walk around, be careful. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, whatever, I'm just head down. Sounds and, like an easy fix. You get in the car, you drive away, and no more snake. Right. But so, um, my mother-in-law comes out, and she is like, she grew up on a farm. She's like farm lady. She's awesome, but she's also like, snake? Where's the snake? Where's, like... Uh, because, like, Sabrina's like, oh, it's bothering me. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll just go. Give me that snake. I'm going to get it. Yeah, totally. It was, like, out in the lawn, and it was a little bit bigger. And I was like, oh, that one's kind of brown. Like, it looked a little different. And um, and she she walked across the lawn with the shovel to just yeah. kill the snake. And I was like, no. You know? I was like, don't. Don't. Don't do it. Like, in the middle of me saying it, she's like, you know? And I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, you didn't really get it, at least, like chop the head off you know like finish it you know yeah. but and i had this moment like I, I really felt i think where my evolution of snakes has gone is like i recognize that they bother me i don't want to kill them you know and i felt it was kind of a cool experience for me because i felt really strongly i was like oh my god please don't kill that thing there's it's no worth snuffing it out and, there's no reason like it yeah. could just like just kind of scare it off into the neighbor's yard or whatever like and yeah, that's my snake story. Well, that's too bad, but it does sound like you've turned a corner. Like you're you're in a much better place with that than yeah. I had kind of gleaned from your previous talks about it. Because yeah, snakes are not good. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a real instinctive, you know, we see that yeah. serpentine movement, and you see yeah. like um, a millipede or a centipede. If you see them doing the same thing, totally. It's, even tiny little guys that's just yeah. like, that you're it's just yeah. instinctive that you just get the willies and you want to step on it and just right Ugh. you sort of as a human you know mm-hmm. instinctively you're like that could kill me well have you heard <laughs> have you seen the videos of uh cats when you throw like a cucumber next to them oh no cat they you know their vision's not as acute as ours oh. in daylight yeah so if you throw like a cucumber down the cat just sees something snake shaped and freaks oh, out which really makes for really funny internet videos but then vets are pointing out <laughs> that's really cruel it's really <laughs> cruel and it it's really it causes just massive it's like pulling a gun on somebody in their own home of just like why would you do that why you know me and my sister worked in the same building a couple years ago marin for like we had a year where we were in the same building and she would 
she would put uh, toy snakes like on my car. Not and, okay. Like, <laughs> she, she knew people in my office and they'd let her in and she put like a little like fake snake on oh my, my desk. God. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> it's just, it's love. That's how you it's know. Love. Yeah. Uh, tell me about souls. You've mentioned a couple of times the S word. Soul. Yeah. Um, do you feel there's a, we talked a little bit about this. Do you feel there's a light inside of us? Do you feel there's a, something there, something magic? I yeah I do With a I, M or a big M I feel and I think this ties back to what we sort of I mean like poly um, poly is a good word in general for what I'm what I what I think and what I believe um, souls souls it's an interesting word I do believe there are souls I believe we have spirits I think we have um, I think we have an inner force and I think it's not totally linked to our personality but i think it is there's some sort of bridge to personality you know and that's part of it um midichlorians definitely midichlorian count yes okay. <laughs> no i got it we're on the same page here yeah um what what are they and what um what do they mean i don't know i think my my views have evolved on it as i've you know um aged or yeah yeah i guess there's we could talk a, a lot about different aspects of that but you want to know like what do i think a soul is Yes, I do. He can't um, offer that up and then not go down that road. <laughs> so yeah, I I do think we have a soul. I think we're born with. Um, I think more than more than a like an entity or like a like it's who we are. I think we are all born with some kind of compass that we either listen to or we don't listen to throughout life, and I think it's pretty distinct. And you would not believe how many times I have thought to myself, maybe my compass isn't broken. Dude, right? I have thought about that so much since you said that. Oh, I, it's been that makes me very happy. Game changer. Like Sweet. it's really. I thought about that of like, <laughs> perhaps this machine is properly aligned and just. Right. I need to listen to it. Yeah, isn't okay. that cool? Yeah, it was really right. Oh, honest game changer. Well, and the other thing about that is I, th- and that's I think in, like living today. It's a hard time to live. It's an easy time to live in terms of everything available to us. It's a hard time to live because your whole life you're told um, how your compass is doing. And I think, yeah, I think it's spiritually really crushing for people. And I feel for young people today, specifically teenagers and um, people who are coming of age in this information internet age. We kind of had an early internet information age experience, but like what's going on now is nothing like it crazy yeah and the i I just think so few kids are afforded the opportunity to feel like you you have a like whether you call it their soul or their compass like you've got a you've got a compass and it's pretty well equipped let me teach you or help you um, listen to it and that's going to take you somewhere great you know instead it's like hmm well you'd make a good this thing or you'd make a good that thing and here's how you monetize it Right or like, yeah. did you get enough likes? Like your soul, you're you suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, Man, I'm trying to think of what I was just listening to, where they were talking about this exact thing as well, where they said that it has to do with instant gratification. That yeah. if your if everything's quantified like that, and you're able to see what the response is to stuff, that you're it really yeah. Um, and Kate Lascalzo, uh, oh yeah, high school guidance counselor, you know, middle school, just dealing with. No, high school guidance counselor, but dealing with the idea of kids that are just so affected by, like, I also think about what Tyler, the creator, jokingly said about cyberbullying. Like, how can somebody bully you on the internet? Like, just 
walk away. Right. Like, you don't have to, like, there's no importance to it, but we've all created this shared illusion of right. how important this is, that it it must be, like, I don't, I had an interesting talk with my father-in-law about why I was doing this and why I'm, you know, I'm not just, yes, you and I would talk and have a beer and talk about yeah unusual stuff like this, but there was definitely a, a purpose to me sitting down and recording this and, like, buying microphones and like putting this out and setting up a Twitter account like right. I'm not looking for notoriety I don't want to grow up to be famous because I'm already 35 <laughs> with a mortgage and a child and uh, you know Let's I buy a I, bunch I, of Twitter robots seriously like why <laughs> why do any of this if it's just for like I'm not trying to get rich off this you know like what's yeah. the point of and the point is just I, I I kind of struggle to articulate it properly, but basically variety being the spice of life, put something out there and maybe you'll get something back yeah. in return. That like if if nothing else, if I take from all of this, all 10 whatever episodes I've done so far and never do another one, if I just walk away from that knowing, hey, what if my compass isn't broken? Yeah. That if nothing else right there, this has all been worth it. Oh, dude, thank and, you. And I know for a fact that other people are listening to this, people that yeah. are not my parents right. or like, hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> but like I can see where downloads are happening. It's like I don't know anybody in Finland that I know of. But like yeah. somebody there is yeah. listening. Hi, Finland. Finland. Um, they're they're dark people and they're depressed and they do lots of weird bloodletting and they hey, get Finland, it. I Cupping love you. And, yeah. As a fellow Scan. Well, they're not, technically they're not part of Scandinavia. Finnish. Well. But I feel as though they're my brethren. We're Americans. We're not Fuck legally yeah, allowed Finland. to know geography outside of the U.S. <laughs> yeah. In fact, just knowing that Wisconsin's next door, we're already at, at risk of being the proletariat. Yeah. Um, so having been to a funeral recently, how do you feel about funerals? Funerals are hard. Yeah. Funerals are hard um, in that I am a super emotional person and I'm a private person and I think mourning you mentioned that too yeah that you want to get away from people which I, I yeah. I'm gonna go down that I have that written down We're okay coming back to that but yeah you're an emotional person and you're a very private person private yet, about I mean, my emotions you... private about uh, private about that I mean maybe when we talk about the compass I've spent a lot of time in my life doubting that that compass was correct too sure you know and it's only not super recent but it's taken me a lot of work to think like oh you know like what you were describing like oh what if i'm every day i still have those thoughts just like what the fuck's wrong with you you know (laughs) like everyone else and i uh i'm trying to turn that corner and um i think i've protected a lot of my just like personal inner emotions from i don't know what you know i'm just afraid to to have it be a public or kind of so funeral specifically um Grieving in public is grieving's tough. hard. Yeah, grieving yeah. in public is hard, and it's it it can be weird when it's a mix of. Um, it depends on whose funeral you're you're attending, but um, I so many few. It's it's wonderful to see large funeral services, you know, and to see um, lots of people show up. But I'd imagine for the close family, it also probably is hard. I almost I don't know what I would want for my funeral, but. Um, yeah, we made a lot of jokes last time, but, like, yeah. do you think it all about, have you told Sabrina, like, if this happens, like, I really need you to play, and without naming names, this right. song, or, like, do yeah. this, or, like, do you want specifically, like, um, Brian mm. and Erica, previous guests, talked yeah. about funeral practices, and, like, please definitely do this, but I would prefer if you don't do this, because I know my parents will want to do this. I know. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, because I want to respect, if I'm dead, um, I want to respect the living and I want 
my life to be represented in the way I ask. But um, shoot, you know, if I died tomorrow, do I want someone to really put me in a boat and light me on fire and just kind of like watch me burn in a lake? Like in my mind, I'm like, that seems pretty cool, you know? But it's kind of fitting with who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, does my mom want to watch me burn in a boat in a lake? And if it's if it's tomorrow, do I am I gonna put my mom through that? I don't know. I don't I've I'm grappling with that because I have this like real strong individualism where I'm like, I wanna do everything different. And then I also really recognize like there's people that I love that I I wanna show respect to and deference to and you kinda have to toe the line, you know, and if you're not towing the line at all, I don't know, you like I could I could be an asshole, you know. It's my death, but I mean like in in your death <laughs> in making a statement at a service of some kind, like it could come off really especially if you hadn't made those things really clear to your loved ones in life and you're like Light me on fire on a pyre, motherfuckers. You know, people be like, "What? Where did this come from?" Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but again, I think you're somebody who lives a pretty authentic life. That you're, yeah, yeah, who you are in the quiet moments is pretty authentic to who you are in the loud moments. Oh, that you're, you. you're a dude so. who has a good sense of self, yeah. and I don't think you're duplicitous in how you represent yourself to anybody in your life necessarily. No, but granted, no. I've got a very yeah direct pipeline here, and not yeah. necessarily how you operate in larger right. Um, well, uh, here's the trick, though, and this always puts me back on my heels, is funeral ain't for you, man. It's for everybody else, <laughs> you know? It, it feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's for everybody else that's here. Yeah. But you can get your last laughs in or your last digs if yeah. you have uh, stuff left undone. I mean, that's prime making yeah. for ghosts, but... <laughs> I had this conversation with... I remember sitting around a fire with some of my closer high school friends and we had this conversation like serious conversation one time where we were like joking around like laughing and it's like you're there for like a few hours and then like you start talking about serious shit and we were talking about like funerals and we all made an agreement to one another that we would oh what was the exact agreement i don't know but we that was part of what we talked about was like i need you to promise me my funeral's not gonna be some somber shitty thing mm. you know i like we, we even were joking and laughing about like if you've got to rig up my coffin and i fucking pop out of it so that like people are like whoa Ferris you Bueller know style yeah exactly yeah. like like we just were talking about how can you make a funeral really everyone talks about it being a celebration of life but like how could you make it so that like you want people to mourn but like you want people to be engaged and to be like stoked that you're alive and sort of like get some sort of experience at that event that is beyond hymns and solemn sadness. And I don't know if it's even possible, but like we all kind of made that promise. We're like, I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that people get a few laughs in yeah. and that it's, it's genuine, but it's also uplifting. Yeah. You know? I can't picture you going out without laughs that it's, you're a dude <laughs> who likes a little whimsy and a little weirdness that you would totally. want to find. Uh, and to that point too, uh, I don't think this was an on-air recommendation last time, but you pointed out to go back and look into the history of caustic soda. Yeah. C-A-U-S-T-I-C space soda, S-O-D-A. Awesome podcast. Do you love it? Dug them up. That was amazing stuff. They talk and they're about, dead. Yeah, that's it. 
podcast is done. Yeah, they're done. Like I was looking like, oh, they they cut in 2014. That's I like, know they got out before the boom. I was a huge I was a huge listener. Like 2011 to 2014, it was like a weekly just obsession. Those guys were awesome. But I we're think they here all for are a good time, not for a long time. Yeah, you like yeah. stuff you should know. They're yeah. on something like 1500 episodes, yeah. or I mean, like or you know, episode a thousand, like. That seems a little less magical. Not to throw shade at them. I still love Josh and Chuck, but like, yeah. you know, British TV shows oftentimes are great because they're like four episodes long. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But Caustic Soda covers a lot of stuff that is not fun. It felt it felt related to what we mm-hmm. were doing here. They talk a lot about death. I, if you have <laughs> any curiosity about those kinds of things, like they gave me a nice truncated, digestible version of what happened in Vietnam and why we should not necessarily be proud of what happened. Not laughing, there. but yeah, I'm just yeah, remembering. Because you know, yeah, mm-hmm. or like they they just really they talk about elephants. Remember, like yep. the elephants having killed people episode, murdered by elephants, murdered by yeah. elephants. Um, what were some of the other ones? The disease ones are really and I've got a couple scary. of them saving too that I'm just like, all right, these are definitely yeah. Right. But bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through some like um, slasher murderers in history. So uh, it's Ted Bundy was definitely the first one I dove into. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is kind of a nice, uh, good overview with like just the proper irreverence because right. life is chaos and life is pain, and it just I you can be deadly serious about everything all the time, but it just seems wrong to go yeah. through life yeah. knowing that you've got this whole spectrum. Of, like there are not many other animals that laugh. You know, no. like if we've yeah. got that ability to tickle our own mind, why not do that? Like if life is yeah. so short, life is just like I said, we're here for not my thought original thought, but we're here for a short time. Right. No, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. That you know, within reason, try to have fun with yeah. it and don't be too dour. Like, do you feel with all of your exercise and adventurous escapades? Are you trying to keep the machine that is the body up and running? Or is it kind of like as long um, as it can have fun? I mean, knock on wood, I don't want cancer or I don't want, you know. Um, Many people don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, I think I'm more keenly aware of the things I might do in terms of my stress or my eating or um, just, yeah, whatever I put in my body and how I treat my body in terms of its functioning for a lifetime. Um, the exercise thing is, yeah, I want to continue to like optimize myself and be like, the more I work on that, the more I feel strong. Like it's one of the few things I can do where I really feel like an animal and my brain shuts down and it, it feels nice to go there at least a couple times a week to remind myself that I'm an animal, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's okay to be an animal and even to like be a little bit crazy, you know? And like, I really only get that in competitive scenarios, um, especially in you know ski racing is is one and i recently was i was in montana skiing and um skied some terrain with a couple of my college roommates that was uh on the on the edge of my ability you know and it was cool it was really cool because it was like overcoming this it was steeper shit than i've ever skied and um it was fun um but yeah it it's a good feeling that's a good thing to do in controlled scenarios. Like I was with friends, they were like, okay, you got this, like you do totally fine. Like we're gonna do it with you. So like they have my back, but like I'm sweating at the top of a hill. Like that is so fucking steep, you know what I mean? And like, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. You know, like five turns, take a deep breath. You know, like five, it was one of those scenarios where you're like, you're on the edge of feeling like I could lose my shit and be out of control, but like I have to keep my shit together because I need to survive that 
that hill, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's that's like when you get done with it and you feel secure and fine again, all of a sudden your benchmark is different. You know, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, sweet. It's and, surprising to hear you talk about fear like that, too. You don't strike me as somebody who experiences a great deal of that. And yet you also compartmentalize and talk about how private you are. I do. I mean, I, I think I'm afraid a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, I had this conversation with uh, Roddy, one of my roommates on the he, – he did a run that I didn't do with those guys because I was like, I don't have an avalanche probe on me. I'm not really equipped for uh, – it was a, it's a run. It's not really a run. It's really off terrain, but it's like – Avalanche probe? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you actually wear – you wear a beacon. It's not a probe. It's a beacon. Yeah, that just, like, you turn it on so that, like, if you get into a situation where there's an avalanche and you get buried. I'm can... wearing very comfy clothes right now. Yeah. I wouldn't know what this is. <laughs> like, you're some kind of athletic thing. I don't. Uh, yeah. Mm. You just, it's it's a safety device. Homing where... device in case you get yeah. buried. Yep. So, basically, you were saying, like, this is pushing my limits and I recognize that, like, if something goes haywire here, I don't have the safety gear to get me out of this. That Yeah, and they were like, here, we've got a probe for you. And I was like, no, that's cool. Just, no, you don't. <laughs> but like no they so they and i had that conversation with him on the lift i was like dude do like i've looked down that chute you know like you scared and he was like yeah <laughs> everyone everyone gets scared you know and i it was encouraging because it was like we were going to the next kind of like area of the hill mountain that we were going to ski and I was kind of getting amped up to ski some stuff that was equally as challenging, but different. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, I, so I think like, it's, it's nice to have those conversations with people, uh, even like my closest friends, like that's one of a few conversations I've had with him where he's shown that I suppose, I think it's not always true with men, but it can be a little bit with men in terms of our just general sense of being like, oh, yeah, we're strong. It's stupid. It's still stupid. But I think we all have it on some level. And I think it's important to talk about to be like, yeah, no, I was fucking terrified, you know. Yeah. Well, um, it's, again, that authenticity of being honest with who you are and how you operate and people that you right. trust. If you can't tell them, look, I'm a little freaked out by this. Maybe yeah. this is not just a game of escalation that uh, – Right. Guys, I'm going to sit this one out. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, dude, we're already, we blow right through time here. This is, uh, you're fun to talk to. Anything you want to put out there that we haven't talked about so far or like anything oh, yeah. you want to kind of just put out to the universe and say, people don't worry about X, Y, Z. Instead, think about having kind thoughts or, you know. I yeah. Mean, I've been thinking about politics a lot. Because <laughs> here we are, you know, it's uh, it's America. It's We're Trump's crumbling. America. Yeah. yeah. And so what do I want to put out there? I think I've been stressed more than I should be and upset about a lot. And it's not partisan anger. It's disillusionment in people's ability to participate in democracy and whether we'll have one in 100 years. And so... What I would say is um, I don't think we should be afraid that we don't have a democracy. I don't think it's worth being afraid. Like, I don't think those emotions for me have produced anything, you know, because I listened to like I read the Mueller report. I'm like reading it like I'm going through all these things. I'm like trying to like I'm trying to be really balanced about having conversations with people in my life who I love that I want to be like, oh, this is insane. And I know you don't think it is, but here's why. Um 
but I don't think that's helping me. And I don't, I, if I was going to put something out, I'd say like, Hey, let's fucking all just get five people to participate in the next election or, and, or your local elections and, or your school board and, or your city council and, or like, if we can all just at least to some degree, just talk more and encourage each other more to just be participants, participants in like, especially more than our democracy at a national level, I think it's not going to be a problem and we don't have to worry about it. And I feel like I've been wasting my time, like feeling like, Oh my God, you know? And I, Mm -hmm. so I definitely want to get better at that. And that's definitely something I would put out there. I not only emphatically agree with you, but my wife who hears me bitch about this stuff (laughs) would also emphatically agree and say, (laughs) you can't change anything by feeling bad about it and stewing at home, (laughs) drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. Um, get out and vote that's all we can do if they thought it was uh if they thought it was the right thing for us to do they wouldn't be trying to take the ability for us to vote away so the more people we get out voting the better served the public interest yeah we saw that in the 2018 midterms because there were checks and balances put back into place and we saw that happen very quickly so please for the love of god calm down talk to your friends and neighbors and go vote (laughs) it's your civic duty Knut Sands is telling you now, Knut, <laughs> tell the people. Hey, get out there and vote. And even if you vote for Trump, whatever, man, good for you. That's If that's what you They're really want to do civic duty. and you've checked all of your facts and you're listening to more than one news outlet, fine. <laughs> there you go. Well, on that happy note. Thank you so much. Dude, thank you so much. This is so fun.